Welcome to the Experiencing Healthcare podcast with Matt Staub. Our goal is to provide you with experiential information and leadership ideas that you can learn from. My name is Jamie Preston. And I'm here with Matt Staub. How you doing, Matt? Good, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's been a good week. The temperature is rising. I think we hit in the 90s yesterday, and uh, it's it's been a good week. I, I'm liking these warmer temperatures until a few months from now. I'll be complaining about them. No, I'm already complaining. I saw a hundred <laughs> on my uh, on, on my car's display that Ooh. said it was a hundred degrees, and I, you know I'm I'm ready for the the cooler weather again. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be a a, a hot summer. Yeah, it, it, it always is in South Carolina. I'm in the upstate, yep. so it's probably five or ten degrees a little cooler. So that might might be why. But maybe so, maybe so. Matt, let me open with a question today. Have you ever? I would expect nothing yeah, less. Jamie. Exactly, absolutely. Have you ever had an instance where you've seen a process, you've had an experience at a restaurant, or it could be anything, any process or any experience where you've said, man, I could do that better? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Jamie, I, I, honestly, I think that's probably, uh, that's probably human nature. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that maybe comes from seeing seeing a complaint you know having a complaint and being like gosh if i was running this place i'd, I'd do it differently yeah. or um or it could be the other way you know of of hey this is this um you know i think i think about how chick-fil-a has really uh, adapted um through through the pandemic and, and what their what their service model looks like you know and, and then you you go there and you go gosh you know they they do a lot of things right I could add this or this, you know. So, so I think it's it's probably uh, probably a little bit inherent to yeah. to think, you know, to, to think about improvement, to think about how things could could be better, especially if it's something that you're vested in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's some instances where I've been watching an NBA game or an NFL game and said, "Man, I could have made that pass, or I could have made that shot," and I probably couldn't have. But uh, but I think yeah, they're like watching golf, you know, yeah. they, they make it look so easy and you think to yourself, yeah, OK, I could I could do that. Oh, and, yeah. And you can't. Oh, yeah. I've always I've said it a million times. I could have made that putt, you know, but yeah, I probably couldn't. Especially if there were millions of dollars on the line. Yeah, I definitely would have missed that putt for sure. Oh, yeah. I could have made that putt. It might have taken me four <laughs> or five more strokes, but I could have made it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, Matt, we're gonna we're gonna get into some of this today, and and how you've been able to make things better um, with the organizations you're at, and we're gonna kind of go back a little bit, and we're gonna talk about integrated health services. What what is integrated health services? Why is it important? So, uh, you know, that's it, kind of been one of those healthcare buzzwords that's been around. Um, probably since the early 2000s, um, you know, there was this idea that that um, of this term called health networks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was called health networks. It was called integrated delivery systems. And really, you know, what that looked like to the to the common consumer is hospital systems were were buying up. Uh, doctor's offices, primary care offices, or specialty offices, because um, you know the the idea was was hey if I can keep things in my network then I can help I can help control outcomes I can help um, 
better deliver care. I can help as a, as a health network, get patients the, the services that they need. Yeah. So, um, so, so that's kind of really where in, in the past 20 years or so, what, what a health networks looked like. Um, but you know, from, from a, from a structure standpoint, but today I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, um, SC house calls and, and what our health network looks like and, mm-hmm. and really from the standpoint of, of where it started. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so Jamie, I, I know some of your listeners are probably also listeners of the disrupted podcast with Scott Middleton, mm-hmm. um, who is, who is our chief disruption officer. And, um, you know, while he likes to likes to call himself chief disruption officer, I still I still refer to him as our chief visionary officer because, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know that that's really I think where his uh, where his heart and passion lies and where it started and and really uh, where our organization started because uh, when when he was a he was a um, and still is an ordained United Methodist minister um, when he got his his first uh, appointment. Um, was in a small town called Smokes, outside of Walterboro, South Carolina, and he had he had three churches in there that he he rotated with, and um, he he tells a story about going to see uh, the the local nursing home uh, there in Walterboro and and um, see parishioners and and um, you know be a good be a good community minister, and he would go on Monday, and he said uh, when he when he got there, the the residents patients of the nursing home were lined up in the hallway in their wheelchair or in their uh recliner uh, called a jerry chair and um of course in, in classic scott fashion he thought they were they were out there to see him so you know as he was walking down the halls they were reaching out for him and and trying to talk to him and grabbing him and uh come to find out that they were really out there for the doctor um who would make rounds on mondays as well and you know would probably be there for for maybe an hour and and then leave and that was that was the support that, that the facility got that was the support that the patients got from from the physician that visited there and you know Scott continued to go there week after week on Monday he just he he tells a story that you know what was laid on his heart was there has to be a better way and i think that really started um, Scott's healthcare journey uh, but really was was the foundation of where we are today with the, the health network services that we deliver through SC House Calls and Georgia House Calls and Main Street Physicians and um, SC Home Rx. Yeah. And, and Scott wasn't just a armchair quarterback in that. He just he literally said, well, I am going to do it differently. <laughs> and he did it. So, all right. So here's a guy that um, spent a number of years um, getting a, a master's of divinity and, you know, all, all of that, that, that has to go through not only the school, school part of that, but then the, the practical application part of that. And then to go through ordination with the United Methodist church is, is not necessarily an easy process either. So, um, you know, committed to a career of, of ministry, uh, and, and still very much committed to a career of ministry, I, I think, um, Goes back and gets gets a master's of healthcare administration, and um, you know, does does that, and, and then gets into to um, to senior living. Really, um, started with different assisted livings and skilled nursings, and um, got into that, 
and then um, in in 1999 opened his his assisted living facility in West Columbia, South Carolina. Mm. So you know he's he's got this assisted living facility, and and um, there are a lot of things that you depend on. You know whether that's whether that's the the food truck from you know a a, a Cisco or a U.S. Foods or whatever delivering food or somebody to um, bring new linens or supplies or whatever. Um, so it takes a lot of coordination and, and, um, Scott likes to tell the story about he was walking down the hall one day and passed five different durable medical equipment providers, DME mm-hmm. providers yeah. that brings walkers and wheelchairs and crutches and, you know, shower chairs and, and those kinds of things. And he didn't know who they were, didn't know where they were going and, and certainly didn't uh, know if they were providing the kind of care that he expected for the residents of his assisted living facility and, and just, just didn't feel comfortable in the fact that they were getting services that um, that really weren't to the standard that that he had created. So he created a he he started his own durable medical equipment company really to serve those patients in in that assisted living. Yeah. Um. You know, and and it, it that was where you know it it kind of it kind of grew from there. He started a skilled nursing facility. Um, which uh, also not an easy task, not an easy no. venture to get into, but it was because he was seeing his his residents from the assisted living who would have an incident and uh, go to the hospital and then go to a skilled nursing facility and, and never come back um, and, and, and to to the assisted living facility. So he said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do that. Um, so it starts a skilled nursing facility. You know, almost the same story with pharmacy. You know, we, we had a had an ice storm one year, and the pharmacy called and said, "Hey, we can't deliver your medication uh, because you know we, we can't can't get out." And thought, you know, well these these uh, patients still need their medication. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how are they going to get that? Uh, so we started a pharmacy. Um, had a had a service failure with a a hospice company in that assisted living and. You know, a patient had passed away, and the hospice company said, "You know, we'll, we'll we can't get there until our first nurse crum- comes on shift at eight o'clock." So he said, wow. "You know, that's just that's not the way to do hospice care." Um, you know, so we started a hospice, and it, you know, it was the same thing with with a physician services. It, mm-hmm. it was we've got patients that couldn't get to their doctor. There was poor coordination of care between their doctor. There was you know a, a doctor saying, "Hey." You know, I this patient, you know, I, I feel needs skilled nursing care when they didn't need skilled nursing care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we started a, a physician services. So all of these things that, that Scott really brought to an assisted living model, um, you know, really uh, uh, was the was the way that we looked at integrated health care services but really from a family standpoint from a from the resident standpoint they were coming to us and saying we don't know how to take care of this loved one anymore and we were saying hey we've got all of these services that that can be provided to your loved one that really answered all of their questions or solved a lot of their problems um so so that was where we started with uh, with really with integrated healthcare services was you know it was it was birthed in an assisted living. Mm, wow. Yeah, I mean, because you really it, you know when you get into that environment, you you've got all these people to take care of. They have all different needs, 
and they all need something now, you know? And so it, it you've, it's gotta be integrated. Right. And, and you know, it, it got to the point that, um, it, it really got to the point, you know, in the, in the, you know, 2010, 2012 kind of era that, um, not, not only did, did we, you know, we expanded in, uh, skilled nursing and assisted living, but it got to the point that we really depended on those integrated services and made it part of our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that we didn't, I don't want to say we didn't know how to operate without them, but we didn't want to operate without them because there was such a, such a value added. And, and so we started tracking these, these metrics and, you know, I've told this story before that, um, you know, one of the things that we looked at at the at the Conway facility was the number of visits. Well, we looked at it in, in all ten of our assisted livings, but but the number of visits related to the the census and and whatever. So essentially, we had I think it was around seventy uh, residents in in the Conway assisted living, and and looked at probably you know around one hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty visits per month from from a primary care standpoint mm -hmm. so we had one provider going in there one time a week yeah um so she would she would go and see half the patients one week and then the other half of the patients the next week wow. and then the next week we'd go back to the to the first and you know the everybody loved her um and it, you know she she great provider uh, but as we started looking and comparing that to other facilities we noticed that um, the Conway facility had an average length of stay of about 13 months, meaning that, that we were basically turning over the whole building in a year. And our monthly hospitalizations, so, so people that we sent to the hospital or to the ER, were between six and seven. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the other facilities were, were not, um, you, you know, that, that was the high end uh, compared to the other facilities. So then... Um, I was looking back at, at some some notes that you know I have a hard time throwing stuff away, Jamie. Um, so that was like that was like March of 2013. So then I, I flash forward to June of 2014, and those visits went from 150 to um, to close to 300. They were about 275 or 300. Census was the same, but then you could see that the hospitalizations were less than one per month, wow. and the average length of stay was was 26 months. Wow. So the only thing that we did differently was instead of that provider coming once a week, the provider came twice a week. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's really where, you know, we looked at, okay, we've got to be proactive. We've got to be preventative. We've got to be precise in, in the way that we're, that we're um, taking care of these patients. And, and I think that's where the model that we have now with SC house calls of, being proactive and preventative and 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 having a precision care model really started because it started with we we noticed that the the more touches that we have mm -hmm. um the better outcomes that we have and, and i think that's where we've turned to now as a as an organization that you know i really kind of thought as i was i was um talking to our 301 group this week that um, you know, integrated healthcare services, that's what we did in, in assisted living. But as a, you know, as a went through and prepared, it was, that's really what we're doing now is this integration that we have with SC house calls. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and, and isn't it funny now, Medicare 
Now, you know, other insurance, you know, companies are saying, yeah, well, this is what we want, what you guys were already doing years ago. So, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because um, the Affordable Care Act, which talks, you know, March of 2010, talked about um, access to health care and, and affordability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in this, this uh, article that was kind of a, a review of Affordable Care Act that came out two years after, like, hey, let's, let's look at a retrospect of, of where we've gone in the past two years. So that was 2012 says that you know the 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 guiding principles the most important part of this was um was this delivering integrated care as as it was related to vulnerable populations so um unfunded underfunded homebound type type folks mm-hmm. um you know there there was this emphasis on primary care there was um a emphasis on coordination of care whether that was um, behavioral or social or public health kind of things, which could include, you know, psychosocial or could include medication administration, and then um, and then accountability for outcomes, which you know is is really still where we are today. Yeah. With making sure that that um, you know we know as as primary care, we've we've probably got the most influence to um, to drive healthcare and good healthcare decisions for our patients. Uh, but to also be accountable for the outcomes. And in order to do that, you know, we, we got to provide a team of services, you know, gone are the days of, of that local hometown doctor, you know, being the, being the, the end, the beginning and the end for all things healthcare for all the people in the town, mm-hmm. you know, healthcare's healthcare has become so much more than that now with, you know, artificial intelligence and analytics and, um, you know, the cost savings and cost sharings, much less all the, the things that we're being asked to do, um, you know, it has to be a team approach. And I think that's that's really where we've um, we've grown as a as a health network organization. But really, that's that's where we started. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the deal. You literally because of primary care, because that's the practice that you guys are, are working on you literally have the opportunity to change and are changing people's lives, taking them from where they may see their doctor once a year, twice a year, three times, however many, you know, depending on, on their, their health, but you literally have the opportunity to change their life, to keep, keep them healthy, make them healthier than they would have been if they were in this old model. And it can literally change their life and make their life trajectory so much better and so much more enjoyable and and that's how much that's how powerful primary care really is if it's done correctly i i, I absolutely i think it has you know uh, there there has to be a very collegial approach which which i would i would argue uh there is between uh between all the healthcare industry now it, you know some of the some of the bigger hospital systems have a little bit less of a of a collegial approach i'd say but you know for us from an independent physician standpoint um you know we're not out here trying to recruit patients away from from uh any provider um but and and want to support providers that are out there you know Mm -hmm. we've had several instances where 
you know, a, a patient comes out of a hospital, they get picked up by a home health, a home health engages us to, um, you know, be that physician partner with them so that, um, one, they can, they can get the, the order signed or, you know, have contact that help them deliver care more quickly that, that engages us with that patient. And then, you know, their primary care physician that they've been seeing for the past 20 years calls us and says, Hey, you know, why are you trying to steal my patient? And, and we have the opportunity to say, you know, we're, we're helping with this transition while they're in this very vulnerable state in order to get them back to see you if that's mm-hmm. what their desire is. And, and, you know, once you explain that model to them, um, you know, we found a lot of, a lot of physicians that are just grateful for the support for looking out for their, their patients. So, you know, it, it's not to take away from those, those services that are out there. Um, but it's really to help break down those silos yeah. that, you know, a, a person that, you know, sees a specialist as their specialist and their primary care physician and their after hours, urgent care physician, you know, to, to be able to say, Hey, there's, there's probably a better way to deliver healthcare so that these patients aren't having to, to bounce all around much less the coordination between them. Mm -hmm. So if we can take that coordination as a, as a health network and we can provide those services and, you know, solve some problems, then the, the patient has less worry. The family has less, um, you know, responsibility and concern that they can, they can really focus on being a, a family member or a support mm-hmm. uh, instead of having to be support caregiver, you know, uh, pill planner, filler uh, yeah. coordination of, of doctor's appointments so that, that we can take all that for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, this industry's become pretty sophisticated. Um, lots of, you know, I remember when I first moved to South Carolina, I remember how archaic, you know, because I worked in, uh, with hospice, with Agape Hospice, and I remember how archaic it was technology-wise, and I remember seeing, well, we're still using fax machines. We're, you know, these, this is old, but things have ramped up quickly in the last few years as far as like sophistication and, and, you know, when it comes to technology and you guys are really on the cutting edge of all of that. So I I think that's one of the things that, you know, just as a, as a healthcare executive that I'm, I'm really most proud of to be a part of this industry. Uh, there's certainly some things that, you know, again, I wish our industry would do better, but just the innovation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the several years ago, I want to say probably beginning in 2000, there was this, this kind of mandate to move to electronic medical record, uh, from, from paper documentation, Mm -hmm. um, which was, which was very difficult. You know, you think about, you know, your entire career, your entire training had been, had been paper documentation. Now all of a sudden we put a, we put a computer in front of you. Right. So, um, so that has then evolved to, uh, a, a new software that that we've um, we've partnered with called called Nuance. It's a it's a uh, a DAX program. It was it was DAX and then it was Dragon before that. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Dragon Dictation, but uh, Microsoft recently purchased them. So um, this this allows that that provider and that patient 
to just have a regular conversation, but it's it's recording it and it's so intuitive and so smart that it can put things in in the right places um, within that within that um, electronic medical record. You know, whether it's history and physical or whether it's a follow up mm-hmm. order or things. You know, it, it's it's very intuitive. So I tell that to say that you know, from healthcare, there are a lot of things that have happened that are just. Um, that, that are really groundbreaking, you know, to be able to look at the the sharing of records. So so in South Carolina, we've got the health information exchange so that, you know, if somebody goes to a, a local hospital, then that information can be um, sent to the health information exchange and then can can be pulled in through um, through a couple of different channels that we have now through our uh, Athena Health electronic medical record or um or a software that's called Navina that integrates mm-hmm. with with Athena uh, to help pull some of those records and and make sure that we're documenting appropriately so that we've got a clear picture of the patients that we're serving. So, you know, with our teams uh, that have have multiple providers that are that are looking at this patient, it, it doesn't necessarily require one provider to call and report off to another provider. It can exist all there in that medical record so that. Each provider that sees that patient can have a have a, a clear image of what that patient looks like and what that those patients' needs are. Mm, yeah, because because we've got we've got multiple teams now, you know, and and we've again just like Scott, we've we've had to adapt um, because we see these areas where it can be better, where we can better serve patients or or be a better healthcare partner. You know, so not only do we have our, our in-person providers that go to homes and assisted livings and skilled nursings and independent living facilities and our, or they're in our Main Street Physicians uh, traditional brick and mortar model, but then, you know, we've, we've got telemedicine that supports those patients as well in between their in-person. And, and then we have our, our specialty divisions that, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got a, a quality team that um, says, hey, in-person provider, let me let me support you with what's being asked of us as a as a physician service from Medicare, from different insurance companies to make sure we're meeting those quality measures and make sure we're we're addressing those things. Let me support you as the in-person provider by meeting those needs so that that patient gets all those care and services that we feel like they need, but also their their insurance company or or Medicare feels like they need. Yeah. You know that that to me is just um, it's just that that added bonus to say hey um, we care so much about this patient and about the industry that that we want to make sure we're doing the right thing. But then also with the the specialized services that we have with people that are experts in in cardiology or in um, in diabetic care, not mm-hmm. to take away from those cardiologists or um, or endocrinologists or nephrologists that that deliver that specialized care but that we're that that connector between the two that you know our cardiac team might say hey gosh let me pick up the phone and call this cardiologist because we need to escalate this patient or might be able to say hey uh let's try these things in person provider so it's it's really a support team that that we have you know with our with our pharmacists that are there that are doctors of pharmacy Mm -hmm. um really be able to look at medication the interaction that you know uh we've talked before about 
providers that are able to reach out to these pharmacists so that, um, you know, whether it's a, a dosing question, whether it's a, a interaction or a polypharmacy question, that they have that support. But then um, the approach of a pharmacist with a, with a patient, you know, is a little bit different than the approach of a, of a doctor or a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. with how they, how they interact with a patient. And, and we've seen great benefits from that from a patient engagement standpoint and from an outcome standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I look at just your diabetic team. I mean, that is multi-layered in itself. I mean, you've got the diabetic provider, you know, that's a specialist in that. Um, you've got a nutritionist that's working with them. Um, you even added another technology that, that it, with a camera that it's that's scanning for retinopathy issues. Uh, it's just in that alone is multi-layered. I don't I don't see it stopping either. Yeah, uh, Jamie. You know I, I know that there are several different specialties that we've talked about adding. I think as as we become, you know, a a, a growing intuitive health network. Uh, we'll see other opportunities where, where we can improve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'll look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much that, that can be done, needs to be done. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, but I think the, the key is to sit back and say, okay, how can we do that better? You know, as we go back to the beginning of this, you know, you, you keep asking the question, how could we do that better? How can we make that a better process? How can we make that easier for our patients? How can we make this more streamlined? And when you have that mentality, you can change healthcare. Because uh, there's been a lot of organizations that haven't, and they've just continued to do the same old, same old thing over and over again, which we know is insanity. Um, and it's just such an opportunity with technology and everything that's going on to really make an impact in this system. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I just, I think we've got, we've got such a, a great opportunity, but um, also really such a great re- responsibility, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to not only to us as an organization, uh, to the healthcare industry, but, but, at the end of the day to the patients that, that trust us with their lives. Yeah. Right. W- would you say that you guys are more of a pioneering organization? Um, yes. I, I, th- I think that some of the things that we're doing are, are definitely pioneering, certainly in South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I've seen other, other, you know, ACO groups or other um, integrated health networks that have a lot of similar services of, of what we do. So, you know, it's not necessarily unique in that that we invented it. Um, I think it's unique in that we've we've uh, started it in South Carolina, um, and and certainly, you know, I'm the first to say that imitation's the highest form of flattery, and I think that there are other other groups that. Um, you know, have, have tried to, to kind of mimic where, where we are. But, you know, again, the, the thought of health networks being able to add things within their operation that, that help their patients is certainly not a new idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just how, how we've approached it from a historical standpoint of, of what Scott's first vision was of, of being a better way really has continued through to almost daily operations that we have today. Yeah, that's great. 
So as we close this, you know, what what will you do or can you do or can I do, um, you know, because of this information that we've heard today? Um, I, I think to answer that question, Jamie, I, I would say helping patients with with utilizing our service or maximizing that service that, you know, h- helping them with the the why is it important to see um, multiple providers instead of just that one provider? I, I, I think about, you know, a, a patient having to tell their story multiple times, you know, sometimes gets repetitive. But I think that's the industry that we've created in that, you know, it's it's not going to be just one provider that's that's caring for you, but help. But, you know, a, a team of individuals that are surrounding you, engulfing you in uh, in strategic care. Mm-hmm. So so helping patients do that, you know, I, I think as as healthcare leaders, it's it's incumbent upon us to provide that education and, and really help walk people through that. I, w- I would say, too, as a, as a team member, um, you know, kind of the the opposite of that with, with the patient. But as a team member, helping uh, to understand my role in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's, it's, a, a the medical assistant that's supporting that patient and following through with, with some of the things that, um, that, that providers suggested or ordered, or, you know, the specialty provider, uh, supporting what the in-person provider does and, and vice versa. So helping our team members know how to navigate, um, how to navigate, uh, w- within each other so it's not just just siloed with one patient yeah and and then um you know again we've we've been asked to see patients more often more frequent touches um so that that um we can stay ahead of any um costly unfortunate avoidable incidents Mm -hmm. uh, but really again help keep that patient uh uh, operating at their at their maximum capacity and really helping them achieve goals. So so it's really that we're 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 scheduling patients for best outcomes. Yeah, and that helps them live a better life at the end of the day, and that's what it's all about. And you know, and I think that's amazing. I think you actually answered all three of these questions in one, and and I think it's 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 just a great system um, that continues to grow, continues to innovate you know, continues to figure out what they need to do differently. And I, and I just, it, it all starts from leadership, Matt. And, and I, I love what you guys are doing and, and where you're headed and what your uh, vision is. Cause it's, it's awesome. And I, I can't wait, you know, even just from a year from now, I think how much things change, but uh, from five years from now, I think we'll see a big, big difference in South Carolina and Georgia. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I'd ask certainly our SC house calls and teams leaders to, uh, to, to, to provide that leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, I would want all healthcare employees to provide that leadership, but you know, my ask is don't settle mm-hmm. when you, when you see something that can be improved on, when you see something that can be better, don't, don't settle for mediocre, you, you know, yeah. be a leader and, and be a driver in wanting better for your industry, wanting better for yourself, wanting better for your team, but most importantly, wanting better for your patients and continuing to ask, there's got to be a better way. That's great. That's that's definitely built into the culture at SC House Calls, so for sure. 
Matt, thanks so much. This has been great. Thank you, Jamie. So it's exciting. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at experiencinghealthcare.com. If you would like to submit a question or potential topics for the podcast, send us an email at jmpreston at ltchs.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, the LTC University Podcast, the Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton, and the Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.